Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. There's a battle going on for the souls of men. The taste of war is ever near. But I am safe within the arms of God's dear bride. She is the keeper of my soul. She is the church of Christ. I'll not Ladies and gentlemen, Rick Breidenbaugh of the Gospel Defender Ministries. This gospel message will encourage and equip those who have ears to hear to be a Christian, clothed with the armor of a gospel defender. I'll not surrender. I'll not Ladies and gentlemen, in Job 14, verse 14, the question is asked, If a man dies, shall he live again? From time to time we see and we hear people in the media who are supposed to be experts concerning this subject tell us all about what is on the other side. We are told by some people that they have been on the other side and have seen bright lights and have heard God speak. This is exceedingly strange in view of the fact that the Bible says it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. The Word of God knows of no intermediate period of time between death and the judgment in which any person is given an opportunity to see bright lights or to hear voices on the other side, and then come back to this earthly realm to live and die a second time. It would seem that these people have been privileged more than even the Apostle Paul. He writes in Second Corinthians 12 that he had been caught up to the third heaven, caught up into paradise, and heard inexpressible words which it is not lawful for a man to utter. In the case of Paul, who actually did experience an out-of-body event, he was not permitted to tell anyone what he saw or heard. Today, people who say they experience such experiences can't wait to write a book about all of this or to get before a television camera to blab everything they supposedly saw and heard. 
We do not have to guess at the answer to the question, If a man dies, shall he live again? The Word of God gives us the answer in the 16th chapter of Luke, beginning at verse 19. There are those who tell us this section of Scripture is nothing more than a parable. This is indeed a strange statement to make in view of the fact that Jesus, who spoke these words and who was in a position to know the truth about all of this, never told anyone he was speaking a parable. But there are those today who evidently know more about what Jesus actually said than Jesus himself. It is also strange that one would think this is a parable in light of the fact that Jesus identified by name one of the people involved in this account. There is no other parable in which he ever did such a thing as this. The only people who would want to dismiss this account in Luke 16 as a parable are those who have no room in their theology for the immortality of men or for the punishment of the wicked and the reward of the righteous. And religion is filled with people who have no room for these doctrines. But the truth remains. Jesus taught what he taught. And there is nothing any religious group can do but either deny it or accept it. By Jesus lifting the lid of Hades for us to see, we note six sets of contrast between the two men discussed in this account. The first contrast we notice is their two different daily lifestyles. One man was a rich man, the other man, Lazarus, was a beggar. The contrast could hardly be more radical. The rich man was dressed in the finest apparel, purple and fine linen. The beggar was dressed in sores. The rich man dined sumptuously every day. The beggar ate crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. The rich man received good things. The beggar received evil things. The rich man was served by a professional staff. The beggar was served by mongrel mutts who came and licked his sores. The rich man was powerful and popular. The beggar was poor and pitiful. The rich man was rich and the beggar was a beggar. What a contrast between these two men of Luke 16. We frequently hear talking heads on television address the great divide between the haves and the have-nots. This is nothing new. It has always been this way, and it always will. Jesus said one time, You have the poor with you always. The poor are in a far more favorable position as far as the odds of who will get to the New Jerusalem. Jesus was in a synagogue one Sabbath day and stood up to read. He opened the scroll of Isaiah and read these words, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has appointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. In his Sermon on the Mount, he opened with, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. 
It does not take very long for a soul seeker to notice that those who are most interested in the things of God are those who are not blessed with great wealth and all that wealth brings. Most intellectual, professional, and wealthy people have little interest in or room for Christ and His Word in their lives. They are too busy making money and a reputation for themselves. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. You see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. There was no room for Jesus in the inn, and there is little room for Jesus in the hearts of most rich people. It doesn't take long for us to notice what profound importance wealth has in the lives of those who die and can't take it with them. The second contrast we notice between this rich man and this beggar is seen in their two different deaths. It is written that the beggar died and the rich man also died. There is one common denominator in the lives of all men. Whether they be rich, poor, intelligent, ignorant, black, white, young, old, powerful, or defenseless. Death. It is appointed unto men once to die. There is no one on this planet who can or will escape the final curtain on the stage of life, the curtain of death. It happened with these two men of Luke 16. They both died, but the way in which they died was very different. When the rich man died, he was buried. When the beggar died, he was carried, carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. It is not difficult for us to picture the rich man dying in the same way that he lived, with all the comforts of life surrounding him. He most likely died in a bed on cleanly washed and pressed sheets, covered with a fresh-smelling comforter, and a host of attending physicians surrounding him, with all the necessary medicines and pills to keep him alive at his bedside. His friends and family were there to watch him breathe his last breath, and then laid in an expensive coffin and buried in a tomb of distinction. It was different for the beggar. His bed was the ground. His bed's headboard was the rich man's gate. His physicians were the dogs, and his medicine was their tongues drop, dripping with their saliva. Having no covers or blankets, he curled himself into a fetal position. He received no family or friends, but only the gazes of the passers-by. The Word of God does not suggest that his body was buried, perhaps as a rotting corpse, the dogs that licked his sores also licked their chops as they devoured his sick, twisted, diseased corpse. Death comes in different ways for different people. Some people die in hospitals. Others die at home. People die in horrible accidents, while others die in their sleep. 
people who appear to be in good shape die just as do the people who have emaciated bodies racked with horrible, excruciating pain. Regardless of one's station in life, death comes to all. It did to this rich man and this beggar. The third contrast between this rich man and this beggar is seen in their two different destinies. The beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried, but the next thing we learn about him is that being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes. The contrast between the rich man and the beggar in this life could not have been more different, but neither could their afterlife. The account of Luke 16, verses 19 through 31, is a total of 13 verses. And Jesus lifted the lid of Hades in nine of those verses. I am impressed with the fact that Jesus appears to be very concerned that we focus our attention in this life on what comes after this life. Not only this, but of the nine verses wherein the lid of Hades was lifted, there are only three verses in which the state of Lazarus the beggar is mentioned. He is first mentioned when the rich man saw him in Abraham's bosom. He is mentioned the second time when the rich man pled for Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool the rich man's tongue. The final time he is mentioned is when Abraham reminded the rich man that Lazarus had received only evil things in his life, but was now comforted. The remainder of the nine verses have to do with the horrible destiny of the rich man. I cannot help but think that Jesus wants to impress upon us the horrible state of those who die and go to that place of torments to motivate those still living to do all they can do to avoid that place. If this is true, it is worth our while to take only a thumbnail perusal of what it is like to be in that place. Again, we see contrasts. The first contrast is that between the torments and the comforts of Hades. Jesus said that in Hades, Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. In this life, the beggar lived in torment with his hunger and sores, while the rich man lived in comfort with his fine clothes and fine meals. But death turned the tables for all eternity. Now the beggar was comforted and the rich man was tormented. He was tormented not only by the fire, but also by his memory. As the flames licked his feet, he remembered how the dogs had licked the sores of the beggar. He remembered how the beggar could not pass through the gate to the rich man's palatial estate as he now could not pass over from his place of torments to Abraham's bosom. 
As his tongue burned and longed for a drop of water, he remembered how the beggar must surely have burned with fever, longing for relief. He thought about his five brothers who would be visiting him in this horrible place. As he remembered how the beggar had no companions before he came to Abraham's bosom. The next contrast that jumps from the page of Holy Writ concerning this place called Hades is the lack of compassion and the abundance of mercy that dwells in that place. What the beggar wanted in his earthly life was what the rich man now wanted in his afterlife, compassion and mercy. But just as none had been given to the beggar in his earthly life, none would be given to the rich man in his eternal death. The golden rule had not been observed by the rich man before he died, and it would not be administered to him now that his body was dead. The rich man had not provided sustenance or medicinal help or clothing for the beggar when he could have, and now it was too late to do anything about it. Ladies and gentlemen, it is too late after you are dead or someone else is dead to do good. You either do it in this life or it won't get done, at least not by you. James wrote, If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace. Be warmed and filled, but do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? John wrote, But whoever has this world's goods, and sees his brother in need, and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. The time to hand out flowers is today in this life, not tomorrow at someone's grave. The rich man of Luke 16 learned this too late. The third contrast we notice is that which is fixed in Hades and that which is not fixed in the here and now. In his plea for Lazarus to come to him, Abraham told the rich man, Between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot. Or can those from there pass to us? So much for the doctrines of purgatory and second chances. Once you have passed from this life and gone to the afterlife, there is no chance to get on the right side of God. There will be no evangelistic meetings or invitational hymns sung in that place of torments. There will be no baptisms in water, because there will be no water. Those who preach against the need to be immersed in water for the remission of sins will finally have found a place 
where they will never have to hear about it again. There are no escape doors, no fire escapes, no sprinkler systems in the place of torments. There is only torment. In torments, there is no exit or departures. There are only arrivals. The same is true of Abraham's bosom. There are only arrivals, no departures. The difference, of course, is that no one wants to leave. It is a place of comfort. There will be no missionaries sent out to those who are left behind to be warned about this place of torments. The rich man asked that the beggar be sent out to his father's house to warn his, his brothers about the place to which he had arrived. He was absolutely confident that if one went to them from the dead, they would repent. This man got interested in evangelism too late. Only God knows how many people in this place at this very moment as we speak and listen are crying out that their friends and relatives be told the gospel message of salvation. What a sad reality this is, ladies and gentlemen. The hunger and enthusiasm for evangelism is more intense in the fires of torments than it is in the hearts of some in the church that Jesus built. Two different men with two different lifestyles, two different deaths, two different destinies. The entire human race is seen in Luke chapter 16. Everyone living today will eventually be in either torments or Abraham's bosom before long. Luke 16 pleads for the attention of the ears and hearts and spirits of all men everywhere. If there were ever a passage of Scripture written that ought to get men's undivided attention, surely it must be Luke 16, verses 19 through 31. But sadly, such is not the case. The rich man lived wrong in life, and he thought wrong in death. If one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. Ladies and gentlemen, one has risen from the dead and has warned the living in his word, and people still will not repent, not even some Christians. Jesus said to the church, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. And it's ignored by the majority of people. Jesus, who burst forth from the tomb, said, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. And that is ignored by great masses of humanity. Jesus made known through Apostle Peter the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But if they will not hear the Moses and the prophets, 
neither will they be frustrated, but one rise from the dead. There's a battle going on for the souls of men. The taste of war is ever near. But I am safe within the arms of God's dear bride. Of my soul, she is the church of Christ. I'll not surrender. 